Hello everyone, my name is James. I'm one half of Failure, Understanding, Care and Kunst alongside my partner in crime, Ruth Aitken. So this is the second fuck podcast in this series. These are conversations that Ruth and I recorded whilst we were in Ariel in Bergen in Norway in summer 20. 21. We're joined today by Elne Eremia. She's a Swedish slash Greek artist who is based in Bergen and we had the privilege of catching up with her whilst we were in town. We know her of course from Tromso. She studied at the Kunstakademia in Tromso for several years. And we talk about all sorts of things in this episode. We talk about what is a successful artwork. We talk about what's a good artwork. We talk about what's a bad artwork. Um, but yes, I do hope you enjoy the conversations we're having. And there'll be a few more out as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, very, very, very shortly. And just one last thing. The audio quality throughout the podcast is not the highest. Uh, it was recorded on a very simple recording device. But we hope that the quality of the conversations will be so engaging and enthralling that this is something that won't hinder your enjoyment of these podcasts. Also in relation to, to what you were saying to your manifesto, mm -hmm. um, like that you can also um, go against the manifesto because you want to make a beautiful mm -hmm. <laughs> art piece or, or the way you want it. Um, it's something interesting in that way it becomes more of a, a bigger question about aesthetics in general, you know, where, like what what is a good artwork or what, what is a bad artwork? Like mm -hmm. as you said, like it's not only about being successful or not in that category mm -hmm. that you were talking about. I mean, I was very much thinking about this Dutch artist Hedvig Hoban, if you know her. She's very interesting. She made a she made a uh, uh, art piece where she her intention was to to make the perfect sculpture. Or to make uh, the perfect one's perfect sculpture and a bad sculpture, like a good and a bad sculpture. Yeah. So she made them, and then she realized that the bad sculpture were actually the good one. <laughs> <laughs> so and then she kind of talk about this, you know, yeah. this failure or or like um, yeah, the the outcome of it, the process mm -hmm. of or, yeah, the disruption. So. It's also, yeah, Hedvig Hoban. Um, I think Arne knows her actually. Hedvig. Hedvig, yes. Um, so this this uh, question is very, that's what I was mm -hmm. thinking of when I collaborated with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how can I turn this into a good artwork, you know, <laughs> in regards to all these parameters, you know? It was, it, <laughs> it was very difficult. Oh, yeah. Um, but then you know, it also kind of ch changed, uh, yeah, like what is a good artwork? It, mm -hmm. That kind of discussion kind of went into my head, you know, mm -hmm. in the process. So, so um, 
I think you're also working very much with aesthetics in that sense, like in your manifesto. Um, but not necessarily of something that is good or bad. Mm. Mm. Like, or successful as you mm. mentioned, but it kind of goes beyond, uh, as you said, this um, the way of like being um, productive or successful. Or Yeah, you also like, yeah, in that regards, you kind of question what it is, you know, to be successful or <laughs> making a successful artwork, which is really interesting. Mm. Do you have a thought about what is a successful art, or do you have like a, a conception for yourself what a successful artwork is? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, you have you have intentions, you know, mm -hmm. you have uh, things you want to complete, or you know, mm -hmm. once you start with something. It's a really good question. I think to me, art is very into like uh, in the, I, mean, I would sound like a crazy person, but it's very like into mystics. Mm -hmm. I think art is very emotional. Mm. And the objects in general are like a very loaded mm. for to me. Places are emotional. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's emotional, it's also very difficult to me to have this, you know, uh, guidelines or rules you mm. know, to set out to, to see if, you know, is this a good or a bad artwork. Mm. So it's just appealing, maybe. Mm. You just know. Um, in a non-intellectual way, it's good. Mm. And uh, but I, I know in general I like symmetry, so mm. <laughs> 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 as everyone else, or repeated uh, patterns, you know, mm. connections between ideas or patterns. Yeah, sounds very yeah, but. Yeah, no, it's actually, it's just never a question I've thought to ask, despite having, like, a failure is quite a core <laughs> I've never thought to ask, really, someone what they deem to be a successful religion. Uh, a successful artwork is an artwork that is made by deadline. <laughs> uh, or, or, or you've made it by the deadline of whenever you've been asked to make it for. Uh, being ready for the opening is the... Is the uh, the definition of success. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think you, uh, and you're totally right, Emily, when you said you just, like, there's something intuitive about it. There's something, yeah, non-intellectualized about it, or something, you just, you just get a feeling, or you get, you just know um, and sometimes that's also connected to when things are, are finished that you uh, or I was listening to an interview with uh, Dead Mouse the, uh, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the mouse head DJ yeah. sort yeah. of like the ur DJ with a head yeah. and, you know like obviously Marshmallow Dead, dead mouse uh, walked so that Marshmallow can fly. I have no idea who Marshmallow is, but... It's for the best. <laughs> uh, and 
<clears throat> obviously, I think, I think this is a, a very much a musician thing, especially in the age when you can sit behind your laptop and you sure. can make music at home. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the idea of, of when something is finished, mm. maybe more than when something is successful. It's like, when Do is it? When is it? Can I? Are you recording? Yeah. Ah, sorry. 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 So it's like, this is still like actually too good a conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, uh, exactly. So, I'll talk more about uh, Dead Mouse. Uh, I mean, <laughs> his, the Dead Mouse theory of, of, of art. Um, but yeah, I think for a musician, the question I don't know is, is this piece of music a success? It's, is this finished? Like that to me, that, that feels a more relevant question <laughs> somehow. Like, is this artwork finished or is this done? And I think there's, there's something about, you know when you go, oh, that's crap, this is not working. Mm -hmm. Let's put this, let's throw this out. This is complete crap. Or you go, okay, there's something there. Let's put it to the side. Let's come back to it later. There's an interesting idea here, but it hasn't found its form in this. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially going back to that question, uh, like if you're, you put something out, especially if you're the producer behind it, you, you can tweak every little parameter you want in a piece of music now. And that, that, that can be quite paralyzing, I think, if you have that much choice. And again, as an artist, you have complete choice, you know, mm -hmm. about every little decision mm -hmm. all the time. So the question, therefore, is, is it finished? And therefore, the pressure is, like, when are you tired to work on it? When is it becoming tiring to work on it? When are you just like, ah, oh, no, that is, fuck, I can't continue with this. And you say, okay, let's just get it out in the world and you release your record or you say, okay, that's the artwork done that I'm working on. It's mm -hmm. finished, I can't do it anymore. Just, I'm just going to put it out in the world. And then obviously a week later you probably get buyer's remorse and you go, you listen back really critically and you go, oh, I wish I'd done that differently. That mm -hmm. part is a bit cliched. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't like how that bit makes me feel or I wish I'd, I don't know, mm -hmm. put a saxophone solo there. And stuff like that. <laughs> always feel like I should have put a saxophone solo. So I I, th I think I think those those things are more relevant, and I don't know if, if you're as an artist, can you that idea of success and failure is so the words that maybe only make sense from the outside or afterwards or something like that. They don't really make sense in the process because. Yeah, I mean, you can fail in interesting ways as well. You know, mm. failures can often not be complete failures, if that makes sense. And successes <laughs> are very rarely pure successes. So, I, and I think even as failures, you can, you can learn, uh, and failures meaning, I suppose, just in this context, it's not very good, right? Or, or it's, not, it's, not, it's not great, right? Because I think something can fail and you can see something in it, you know, mm. uh, especially when you're, you're, you're working with uh, maybe an experienced artist or you're trying to do something yourself and you know that it failed, but you've learned something from it or there's something in there, that, like a seed of a new idea as well. So, yeah, I suppose it's very much related to, to quality, but even then, I think, I don't know if you're ever going to be 
completely satisfied. And I think sometimes art, when it has a little bit of, uh, there's something not quite right about it, uh, often gives it that frisson that makes it, that captures you. Like perfection can be deadening, right? And I think, mm. especially when you're talking about this artist who deliberately tried to make a good artwork mm. and a bad artwork, no. as soon as you start out to make a good artwork, like that's it, you've, you've like, pressure's on, you know. Yeah. But if you if you if you start off trying to make a bad artwork, mm. you, how liberating is that? Yeah. Like trying to make a bad artwork, and I think as well, it must be so difficult for or I, or maybe it wasn't difficult for an artist like Martin Kippenberger whose whole thing is making bad artworks, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it must have been so easy to make all those bad artworks. You must get really good at making quote-unquote bad artworks by the end. Um, it's totally liberating, you know? No, I don't know if that's true, because I think... Uh, is there not a thing about like, singers when they try to sing badly? It's like, really impossible. Like, it's like a real energy drain to try to work out how to... Sing eight only. Eight I eight don't know. Eight. I do it pretty easy, to be honest. <laughs> You're a pretty bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, because also, I mean, there are obviously like very good singers. I'm not gonna say pre-conscious things because it suggests that there is somehow like universal aesthetic <laughs> forms, which I don't think is true. Mm. But I definitely think we have. Uh, Preconscious intuitions towards aesthetics because we've been raised in like a certain soup and uh, with certain tones and certain you know scales or rhythms, and so when you try to actively make something bad, it probably takes a huge amount of conscious work to either try to overcome a lot of learned aesthetic principles. Or you end up yeah, making a good artwork because you're trying to work intuitively or automatically and you result in something that's, again, em embraces a lot of that stuff. Or again, because you're so actively trying to move against pre-ingrained principles, you create something that's quite radical because it's pushing against something yeah. and it has a lot of tension in it. Yeah. And, yeah. There's, there's also that thing about something being too tasteful. I'm thinking about the film Whiplash here, mm. and the joke, or one of the many jokes in that film is of course you have this uh, professor who's a complete asshole, a complete bully, a complete psychopath. Or at least or at least you're never quite sure, right? Because you're, uh, you're not quite sure if that's just uh, the persona he puts on because he wants to get the best out of this very particular uh, drummer, right? Um, and <laughs> If you start acting like a psychopath, even with good intentions, you might still be a psychopath. Yeah, but, 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 <laughs> or like but, if you're, if you're but, using the tactics but, of bullying. But, right, that's... Still, sorry, finish your part. Right, my point is, right, obviously there's a certain degree to which that worked on that people, right? That that behaviour, because the, because the people kept on practicing, kept on working, kept on finding new uh, depths to his playing, right? And that's obviously maybe not what happens in real life. Um, however, one of the central gags of the, the film is that the drummer goes to see the, his professor, the professor is a pianist, who's doing a residency in a New York 
uh, like jazz club, and of course the joke is that the professor talks about how you know there's uh, you know there's no passion, there's no integrity, there's no uh, soul to this playing that you're doing, and the jazz is dying because nobody has any soul or passion, and you know they play with deadening, and the gag is when he goes to see him, he's playing the most like mundane lounge jazz possible, you know, the nicest, you know, most pleasant uh, background music mm. you could imagine. Uh, the saxophone. Uh, yeah, just coming, the most, yeah, the most, the most generic, you know, banal background music lounge jazz. And obviously that's a way to make a bad artwork, is that it's so loaded in cliché and loaded in its own sense of taste that there's no way that you can even insert into that the, 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 like the little bit of grit, the little bit of, uh, for want of a better word, like soul or humanity mm. that, that sort of comes through in the, mis the mistakes or the mm. slightly off-pitch wobbles or the, uh, yeah, like the, the little expressions and the little, maybe in a more painterly context, should we talk about like the mark making or, you know, mm. the... The, the sort of uh, freedom of the, of the of the art's hand or something like that, like all the little, you know, not even flaws, just the, 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 the sort of carefreeness of it, mm -hmm. the, that maybe uh, the, 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 the not caring to be tasteful, to be, to make a great artwork, to, 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 to sort of have a little bit of uh, you're suggesting that insecurities, maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think there is something about taste, and I'm thinking about this even, you can get this even in, like that exhibition I think we saw this, this morning in uh, Coda, not Coda Fira, I mean Coda To, I think it was, by an artist called Marit Folstad. Yeah, she's I think, from Tromso, actually. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I, think, I think that exhibition, I did, maybe one of the reasons I, I really didn't like it is because it was just incredibly tasteful. Even though it was this, you know, conceptual uh, sculpture work, it, it was just an incredible, it was just a little bit too tasteful. It was trying a little bit too hard to be, uh, everything just felt a little bit binded. And uh, a little bit too controlled, and there is a, a sense of it, uh, of, of of just a, a lack of like, lack of move, you know, yeah. like a, a lack of, I don't know, just a lack of something, right? It just felt a, li a little bit too tasteful, a little bit too staid. To be fair, it was about entropies. I feel like a, a sensation of like. I think so this is the yeah. thing I've talked with you about a lot yeah. is that I find or one of my biggest problems with art is that I feel it's very dead and very like I feel like I go into a gallery and you mm -hmm. just have this sense of deadness and, so, and I like it's something I very much have in my own practice like every time I make an object the second you stop touching it it's like because we're being this very fun and joyous or it's like playful thing to just be this look super dead thing. Mm. I probably just shouldn't make objects. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, yeah, like talking about success or failures, I think that is like when an artwork becomes lifeless. That is uh, mm. a real problem. And I think institutions, mm. not always, like I think institutions can be very lively and art can very much live in them. Yeah. But I think, um, Institutions can really kill artworks. 
Mm. And I think, uh, and really create this stasis or this like incapacity, yes, stultified, but incapacity to move or to find life. And I think artworks themselves can also be quite vampiric. Mm. Like they can really suck energy from the viewer yeah. as in a, in a means of trying to give themselves some life and they don't necessarily ever come alive. They're little vampires, they're like already dead. Mm. Or I don't know if vampires, they're not dead. It's a zombie. They're cold blooded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like a cold bloodedness. But, yeah, but mm, interesting. But that's what I was mentioning earlier about the the intention of things. Mm. If you, what is the intention? You always ask that when you mm. go to an institution or like see a show in an institution. Mm. Um, but you can really quick see, um, like the if the artist is being authentic about it, or if the mm. parameters around it, or how it's curated, or mm. if it's like if, if it's some kind of sometimes it feels too posing, you know, mm. someone is posing here, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a one trigger, you know, mm. for you as a viewer, that you, the hierarchy is like too big between you and the artwork mm. at the same time. But I do like, I think this is maybe why I brought insecurity, is like, I think uh, you have to be very secure to be carefree. In yourself yeah. as an artist. As in yourself as an individual, and like there's that aspect of like, there's maybe a mix of like you need a certain amount of like positive ego, but you can't have too much because you just become very aware of your your either you become so self obsessed that you can't uh, engage with the space, or you uh, uh, you can't give up something to the world. Yeah. I'm thinking about the late career of David Hockney now. Um, all, I think everything he's done in the last five years since he's become probably the, maybe one of the most famous living artists um, and certainly one of the most, as you would say, revered living artists. I think every exhibition he's done in the last five years has been cr- critically panned and th- th- everything I've seen from those exhibitions, uh, the few reproductions I've seen in the flesh, looks garbage. And he did this commission for the London Underground, uh, did this sort of graphic design thing. And I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's really not even trying. You know, I mean, and, and there, was a, there was a piece in the Art Review uh, written by Tom Wyman, who was talking about, um, you know, what does this mean in this time when COVID, during the COVID crisis, when, you know, obviously the property's been paid a gazillion billion pounds by this public body to make this mm. artwork slash graphic design for the for the London Underground. What does it mean uh, that he's done this piece, which is so carefree to the point where it's not even, you know, it's, it's like not even careless. Yeah, yeah, careless. And, and it's this reflection on like labor, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the piece, it's like, yeah, well, this just isn't a very good, like he's just really not even trying, you know what I mean? And I think artists say that David Trickley, for example, I think they're experts at, the, at their aesthetic and have completely mastered the the, uh, the art of being carefree and it is just often joyous to experience because it is just somebody being carefree but where that can often tip over, which I think mm-hmm. I think is a good point you're making there, Ruth. 
is that it can can tip over into the the uh, yeah the the uh, lack of care, mm. and it becomes uh, it it becomes uh, just quite ugly and dispiriting to see because it is just evidence of somebody not caring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there, there is this weird, and maybe it's very context specific as well, like it, it, depending on where you encounter those works and how you encounter them and what your expectations are. Mm. But there is that thing of, um, yeah, what, what, is, what is that line? And maybe all art is just sort of on that tightrope mm. of the line between uh, taking yourself seriously but not taking yourself too seriously. Mm -hmm. Being, you know, on trend, but not trendy. Being, uh, uh, be, be having uh, a, 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 well, a caring, not caring. You know, like all those little tight ropes, tight rope kind of things that you do. It's always, um, yeah. At what point maybe then do you get so far into your career that your judgment dial, your ability to judge mm. completely Collapses because you have no. Yeah, because you're just you're just old and you don't care, you know. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, it can be difficult, isn't it? Yeah, like I do think that's like uh, difficult throughout anybody's. Like, does anyone feel stuck? Like, I think we're always constantly thinking that we've got like a good grasp of like our judgment or you know we're, we're judging things well and then something comes along and we're like oh no okay that was really that was a bad choice <laughs> or like i really judged that situation completely wrongly and now i have to sort of recalibrate everything mm. uh, so i think everybody's experiencing that and i think artists always say that is a part of how we have to function is mm. like constantly making these judgment calls mm. Um, and try to sort of calibrate to what we're doing, our materials, mm. our society, our community, broader conversations. Uh, and of course, you will get that wrong sometimes, mm. or like plan more than sometimes. <laughs> like you'll probably get that wrong more often than you won't get it wrong. But hopefully, you'll get it occasionally, mm. right? Enough that you can have a career. Mm. Uh, or like, and, and more and more like that you can make some interesting art. But I guess like the more famous, I don't even know that it's so much late in your career, but probably the more famous and like quote unquote successful you become and slightly more disengaged from certain topics or ways of living and aspects of society. And then your judgment becomes not as well informed as it maybe was. And then you start making these, uh, like tipping too far in one direction or the other, maybe. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but about judgment, then if I just to grasp something out of it, it's a lot of uh, great topics here. Um, mm. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But I think it would be very interesting, I mean, I'm still an art student, mm. um, but it would be so interesting if my professor one day <laughs> came into the room and we're like, hey, are all, all students here 
uh, today you have to do uh, a good work and a bad work. Mm. And like, <laughs> you have uh, 24 hours <laughs> to finish it. And like, what would come out of that? Yeah. So, so about judgment, you maybe also need the bad to have the good, you know, or the opposite, uh, mm. if we go back to that question. Mm. Um, so that's why I feel like you will have this uh, definition of failure. Mm. I mean, I, I see the, the relation to care and everything. Mm. Um, but it's a very sticky word to me, you know, it's, it doesn't taste good to me, you know, <laughs> like when I say it. Um, so it's something about like the, the challenge or also the perspectives, I don't know. You know, like, could be so nice if you had a residency, if you invited artists to make mm -hmm. a good and a bad artwork during a week, you know, and discuss this. Such a nice uh, workshop. workshop idea. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or like, a, like a, a thing that's so actually so important mm -hmm. and yeah, and raises so so many. And then values. the the crit at the end is that. Bad. No, 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 no. The the crit at the end is that everybody in the class has to work out which yeah. one is the good and which exactly. one is the bad yeah. artwork. You know. <laughs> But yeah, there's also something in relation there to, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like outsider art as well. Um, that thing about, uh, I think, just somebody who has a sort of intuitive grasp or an intuitive uh, aesthetic that is able, that despite any formal training or whatever, it still is able to capture something and, and do it so effortlessly. Um, and then I'm also thinking to the Elizabeth Haar exhibition, which was in the Bergen Kunsthalle, and obviously mm. talking about, basically I'm just talking about all the exhibitions I've seen this week. <laughs> in the next hour we'll be talking about your, your exhibition, uh, Emily. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And there was something almost uh, like art brut or a little bit like outsider art, especially in our, in our early works. And there was definitely something there. Mm. But but then look, seeing her later works, I don't know, like just the, the difference in quality between when she probably was uh, somebody that was on the peripheries of the art world as this mother that was engaged more with activism than actual the art world, mm. probably was working other jobs. Uh, and it seems like since she started actually becoming, in her late career, a recognised artist, her work has got way worse. There was this uh, almost kitsch element to it, right? But it just worked so well. You know, there was, there was a real appreciation of material, there was a real, like, there was, there was something real there that you can't quite, when you compare them to the later works, there's, it's, it's like, all, uh, like maybe that, that position Mm. Where she was, like on the outside of the periphery, looking in, like that helped her, and she she maybe I don't know. Mm. It's it's very difficult to say without knowing too much about her practice. But there, there was something there in the art that leads me to think that that being being on the outside and, and maybe not being being feeling the need to make a good artwork, for example, mm -hmm. uh, did her really well. Whereas now she has to make the Good, good artworks that speak to you know the contemporary situation that speak to contemporary mm. issues that speak to uh, mm. 
that speak to you know the refugee crisis and all that sort of stuff mm. and it just it just falls a little bit flat or something like that now she's trying to make real art now you can realize you know it just fa falls a little bit flat or something like that mm -hmm. I don't know if, if that's a, an expression that but I mean maybe there's not like an aspect that we should as artists never be so completely removed from society yeah. <laughs> or like that we should always be a little bit embedded in the society that we're talking about this or like that we literally are obviously so I think it is easy to become part of a bubble, um, and that sure. again, that will affect your judgment or your capacity to engage with the world. <laughs> or like, yeah, you're going to engage with the world slightly different if you're the more removed into whichever community you're in, um, and in some career paths, maybe that doesn't I'm sure mm -hmm. as a doctor, if you're in a doctor bubble, it's really not that big a deal. Although it actually is a bit, because you have like a diagnosis um, bias mm. and uh, gender biases and racialized biases within medical communities. So yeah, no one should be in bubbles. We should all sort of be a little bit mingling in the world outside of our own industry. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, that was a slight no. tangent. Yeah, yeah. How did you, so obviously you guys were exhibited at, at CODA. How did you guys, or what's, what's the best way to put this? Did you change what you were doing or think differently about what you were doing because you're in a, a, a quote-unquote real museum? <laughs> you know, did you... Uh, did you feel like what was your approach? Did you go, oh shit, I have to make something good now? Or <laughs> how, or how did you, f yeah, maybe you could say a little bit about how you felt, or how you approached it. Um, Is that a good enough question? Would you like no, me to ask you a better question? Maybe you can answer first. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because I, like, I, I know, um, yeah, because I mean, I've been super impressed by uh, I think almost everything I've seen you do. Uh, to be honest, I mean, I, I think I think uh, like I super I super liked what you did with uh, up at Stankerborn. Mm. Um, like this 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 uh, short snack, and I know you obviously work really well in the public space. Um, and then I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I know. I just wonder if you approach what you were doing, like if you felt more pressure or something like that when you were at mm -hmm. Coda or something mm -hmm. like that. Like you felt the, the oh shit, I need to do something mm -hmm. extra special or something like that. I need to. Yeah, I don't know, that, 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 that feeling of having too much pressure or something like that, but then... Towards an institution. Think, yeah, but then again, I don't think it really comes through. I think with, uh, like, I, I loved Simone's uh, exhibition, and I let, uh, but you could tell that like, she crammed 
everything, you know, mm. and I think that was a weakness of it, maybe, I assume there wasn't a lot of curatorial input, is my mm. guess, right, because it did feel that exhibition was Simone and the, the one next door, if there was a curator involved, I think, that was really embedded in the project, they would have said, okay, you need to take out a lot mm. of your works, because you can often get that, I think, if you've maybe not exhibited that much, and especially if you're like, oh, shit, I'm exhibiting it, I'll put everything I've made in, especially if a student, when the work is so fresh and you're still working things out and you blah blah blah. And I mean, I, I loved so much of what she was doing in that, what she put in, but in my opinion, there was way too much work. And mm. it, it, would have, it would have served much better if she just had a more, uh, a, a little bit more quality control and a little bit more. Uh, uh, just a little bit more focus on what she wanted to do to come at. And so, in relation, your 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 exhibition, your solo show, as it turned out to be, was it was it was obviously now learning a little bit more about how it was supposed to be a three-person show and two people out. So it, it makes a lot of sense because obviously when you came in, it was it was this, it was like the opposite. It was this uh, space where your presence was almost like of a, of a ghost or something like that mm. because you know there was just that one sheet with the works and the title laid mm. on on the, uh, on the floor and everything is, is trying to sort of bl uh, almost blend into the room or you know mm. the colours as well the palette mm. uh, like a bit of carpet it was it mm. was subtle right yeah so, what was my question? I have no idea. I started this question before you went to, to go to if go I, take if a I had a, My intention was to make a, a great uh, artwork. If you felt the pressure. If you felt the pressure and did things differently or to different positions, mm. then you would say if it was just a student gallery in a project space. Yeah. I don't know. It's a very also very personal question, so I don't know if I could answer it like, with a personal approach or, or more like a, a general, um, but I always feel pressure, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. I'm a suffering artist, you know? yeah, yeah. no, but um, I, I, some people said uh, my, in relation to Simone's uh, show, that my, my show was very scattered, um, mm -hmm. like in a negative way, so but that was not my intention really. I, I thought that I needed air, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. for my works. Um, and it was very much uh, time-based in a sense, because I only had two working days um, to be in a space um, and actually produce the works. Mm. Um, and it was, because I, you know, I made these frottage drawings um, in the build, and I was I, I did choose uh, different architectonical elements in the building at Kude. Mm -hmm. uh, all this took interesting, and then I made a drawing on top of the uh, the building. <laughs> um, so it was very much uh, I don't know based there, uh, or it was more of a collaboration between me and the building mm -hmm. to make the work possible in a way. You know what I mean, mm -hmm. to deliver the work. And um, 
But it, the cha challenge also made me like, oh, why should I just be in this building? I can also go to Code 2 or Code 2 or Code 3. So I was in the Munch exhibition floor, you know, and uh, was drawing on the museum mats and floor carpets there as well. But I still had a security guard, you know, like walking around. Like, what the fuck are she doing? So I had to like ask about permissions all the time almost to, to, to make the work in a space. So there were all these parameters to, to, for me to, to consider, you know. Um, but for me it was helpful also in the process. I saw it more as a collaboration. But then it comes to curating, that's something else, you know. I had maybe hundreds of drawings, but then like, how should I present mm -hmm. this now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when we come back to like, intention or like posing or, or, or you know. Because mm -hmm. a good artwork is also very much about how you present it. Mm -hmm. It could be great in your studio, you know. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, when it enters through the world, it changes, you know, or to an institutional space. So even if I was already working and producing the work in the space, in the institutions, it was still very difficult to mm -hmm. figure it out. What do you think? Like, how, how would you work with the, if you were to exhibit? Um, Let's say at the Modern Museum of Art in Stockholm, <laughs> <laughs> or Astrofenli, like <laughs> when you show up with your caravan <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> I I would be so, uh, because presumably the fee would allow me to buy some material. <laughs> yeah. Like I'd be able to be like, oh fuck, like I can maybe I could have some can I could get some canvases made. I could you know buy some nice oil paint. You know, mm. like it's it, a work with paint. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if I had the budget, endless possibilities. You know. Um, uh, was that a question for for us as fuck? Yes. Maybe, oh. maybe to your manifesto, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I think I think Astro Fernley is outside of our manifesto. <laughs> yeah, I think I think to do it, we would have to dig really deep into, like, part of it would be working. I think there's no way we could just. This is just me off the top of my head, but there's no way we could transpose the project to an institution without engaging in institutional critique. So we would have to do exactly. But what is mm. this? Nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah. You know? I hate that word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, we would have to engage with it in the sense of okay, do you have like a, an audit of your, uh, you know, your carbon footprint or whatever? Like, is there a particular, you know, it would it would be okay. How can we run this exhibition to our manifesto? Like, is there a way we can rewrite the? Could we make sure that you're getting your electricity from renewable sources? And you know, it would probably be this. It would that would how I'd imagine those conversations would start, right? It would it would be those kind of conversations with the building manager or whoever deals with uh, invoicing. You know, who uh, 
where'd you get your electricity from? Is it renewable? You know, it would be those kind of conversations, mm. and then it would it would be on to okay, um, how what have you got in your basement? Uh, in terms of we're building something. I mean, that's that's those are the questions that come to mind, yeah. and it, my feeling is that it would, it would it would start with that. Um, but then there would also be that thing of, um, like in the back of my head, I always thought, like, where, where's this project going? Where's fuck mm -hmm. going? Like, are we gonna, you know, in my in my nightmares, I wake up in the night in a cold sweat, <laughs> shivering, thinking, oh no, we're gonna become an eco arts consultancy company, <laughs> and we're going to, we're so bad, and we're going to, <laughs> and we're going to do like carbon audits of arts institutions, and we're going to write up something like what's in this book I'm reading called Sustainable Societies for the Future. We would make a book like that, except it would be like Sustainable Art Institutions for the Future, and we'd have a list of like non-binding things. Like I'll, I'll try and find. So we'd come up with something like this. Like, I don't be, think we should slate. Like, I think this no, is No, 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 I think that's really good. It'd be like, you have to have vegan food on the menu. And, uh, Norway, I think, Norway. Uh, Norway. Uh, Norway. <laughs> the bigger building's really needed. It's kind of the organisation <laughs> already. Very small vibes. And nothing would come of those. You know what I mean? Like, you would come up with your institutional critique and everything would just carry on as, as, as normal. But it wouldn't be an institutional critique. It would be like a carbon audit and we would make people feel really bad because, you know, there's not enough vegan options on the menu or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like, that would be the outcome. You'd have like a vegan, yeah, yeah. very expensive cafe, yeah, yeah. and they would maybe plant yeah. some trees. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> like offset their Damien Hirst purchase. <laughs> I don't know. So I know it would be. I think. I think if you were working with a very, I think if you were working with a small institution like a municipal institution, you could probably actually have quite a lot of influence. You could probably actually institute quite a few things that might be quite interesting. Mm. Um, but I do worry about. I mean, sure. in my in my professional life, working as as uh, for a well known a wealth a well known <laughs> Norwegian kunstforeding, like even then, like I know how difficult it is to um, uh, to do it. Um, uh, sorry, just before I let you answer this question, just what has popped into my mind, Ruth, I'll just uh, take up some space here. Uh, so I I was involved. Uh, so I was invited. Last time I was back home in the UK to this uh, sort of round table, as it were, like a think session for uh, the Circular Arts Network, which is this fantastic project based out of Glasgow. It's involved uh, like a person go my old boss, Michelle Emery Baker, and a curator from the Glasgow uh, like Modern Art Museum and uh, Goma, I think it's called. <laughs> Lol. Uh, and. Uh, they did a, they're, they're doing a project, and, and, and the end of it was it basically some kind of website or app where people could upload things and it, people would swap things and trade things and things you don't need, art materials, well, you know, from lights to plates and stuff. But in that, we had a quite nice, as part of that, in the research phase, we had this discussion about how to bring more sustainability into art production, into exhibition making. Mm. And it's really d difficult, uh, apart from just having, it's really difficult when it's not built into the, the, the curation of a space because, I mean, technicians are set in their ways, the producers are set in their ways, artists are set in their ways, there's a certain normative framework that you're already in in the art world. I think curators obviously have their own agendas, directors as well, budget constraints, blah, blah, blah. 
And I think there's there's no way to have that honest conversation about you know environmental impact or whatever, even in those maybe smaller to medium sized institutions, without it being built in from the very start of how you engage with your artists in terms of curating and how you operate and how you how you think through what you're doing. So it, it kind of has to be a ground up thing. Mm. work built from the ground up um, I think you can still do it um, mm. I think you just maybe need a push like you could maybe push people to have a, to produce some kind of sheet about you know environmental guidance mm. or environmentalism sustainability or something like and that that's like, and since you probably actually need time it's like like everything I think in regards I've had like chats with people at different levels of like at least the Norwegian arts mm -hmm. and maybe mm -hmm. the Scottish arts or like maybe slightly towards the top and they're are equally feeling this like hyper productivity where they constantly feel like they don't have enough money mm -hmm. to do what they need, constantly in this state of like we're gonna shut any minute. Mm -hmm. So it's from right down at like the very, you know, basic artist level I guess. Um which actually if something like a project like ours doesn't get funding then you stop it. There's not so much uh, administration or bureaucracy. Uh, that you need to do to, to end a project, but like something like Karams, it's like this much. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is completely by the way. But yeah, so that this has been felt all the way up. So I think one of the biggest problems in any institution implementing change is always just not enough time. There's too much inertia, and there's never enough time to do anything. So I think if you're actually going to do something, you'd have to or I think it would be great to just be like, okay, we're gonna stop for a year. We're just not gonna produce everything for a year and we're gonna get grip of this and we're gonna take a break and we're going to come back under new management, essentially. And I think uh, I think more scheduled pauses in programming yeah. would be really, really healthy yeah. and really, really helpful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And oh, there is this, um, I can't remember which Kunsthal in Germany it was, but the curator of the Kunsthal, she like, applied for funding and the show got half as much funding as she needed. Mm -hmm. So she just uh, uh, didn't curate half the building. She just curated half, like, the half of the building. Mm -hmm. <laughs> didn't cut the part, just like half of the building, which I think is great. That you just, that's like such a bold move. Mm -hmm. Maybe also, yeah, falls under. So that's not institutional critique. I mean, it is, it's, but at the same time, it's also like that's institutional very, art funding critique. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like no, very niche. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is also like a, a it's it's real, and that like okay, we only have half as much money, so this is how we're going to deal with this. It's, it's it's a silent protest. And it's a physical protest. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it makes cuts to the arts visible mm. to an art going public and yeah. I mean, in the way that art cuts are yeah it's, it's, it's kind of an embarrassment right you've lost some funding mm -hmm. yeah. and to make it visible that you've lost your funding or lost half your funding or not getting enough funding to do the program that, or to do what you need to do mm. to do something that bold and to make it explicit I think often things are maybe not made explicit, they're just kept on the, the DL um, because you don't want to piss people off, you know? You mm -hmm. can piss off an audience 
Is it like what movie is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it's is like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sensation. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I can see that my only critique of that is it's something that maybe that would have been more powerful if it had been done across a multitude of Kunsthallers that had maybe not got the funding and not got enough yeah. funding. If there's um, uh, three million uh, uh, square kilometers of art space mm-hmm. unused, mm-hmm. like that because there's not enough money to, mm-hmm. to fill it, then that maybe he does start conversations, right, mm-hmm. uh, about, about the, the need to fund art because mm-hmm. you need money to fund the program, blah, 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 and maybe also uh, Maybe also doesn't do that. Maybe people just go, oh, it means that we, uh, we, we there's there's a hundred thousand there's a hundred thousand like unseen what I don't know how many unseen works there are at the moment, right? But I don't know. I'd imagine at any given moment, only ten percent of a collection is ever out anywhere. Um, so there's so many unseen artworks at any given moment. There is maybe also that. My assumption is that it wouldn't end up in more money, it would end up in more art coming out of collections yeah. and being shown in, in those spaces. Or it's what happens, like, say, for example, with, with you guys at Code, and it's like mm-hmm. young artists that fill it. Willing to work for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's interesting because I think uh, one of the advices we got when Corrupt lost its money. Kind of got half half the money ever told us I'm sure you won't get any more. Uh, I consistently raise the question of like how do we strategize this, how do we respond to this, what do we do about this? And the advice was consistently don't do anything. There is no public message that you can make that will make this good, that will work well for you, that will be positive. Mm-hmm. It will always don't like don't piss off the funders. Yes. And don't presume that they're uh, that they're um, that by or like the only outcome from this is that you get you give ammo ammunition to the right the right wing mm. who then say no art should ever like art should never be funded mm. which I disagree with and I think also like, it's maybe quite important that it's still localized, but that are made visible. Mm-hmm. 